you're listening to the Time and Talks podcast. I'm your host, Dejal V. Patel, and this is the place where we have refreshingly real talks about the biggest problems moms face in motherhood and life and the spiritual solutions to solve them. If you're ready to reset your mindset with some major truth bombs, well then, let's dive in. Welcome, welcome. I'm so happy that you're here and we're talking about a very important topic that I know that's not talked about a lot. We're talking about mindful divorce and conscious co-parenting. Now, many of you guys may know that in a past life, it seems, I used to be a practicing divorce attorney and I've had firsthand experience of understanding the deep amount of emotions, the turmoil, the agony that really is created through the divorce process, whether it's through litigation or even out-of-court divorce resolutions like mediation and collaborative divorce, I've seen it all. And it's something that I'm actually very passionate about. A lot of the work that I am doing right now stems from my own personal experiences while witnessing parents and individuals going through this excruciating time in their life. And you probably have heard it, but really divorce is equal, if not the second most difficult thing that a person can go through, it's equated to death, that the emotions that you experience, and I've seen it happen, is very similar to the grief process, the denial, the anger, the bargaining, the depression, there's all life cycle of emotions that happen. For me, when I moved from California to New Jersey uh, area, I went from litigation to completely collaborative divorce and doing divorce mediation. I had my own practice and I was in charge of what kind of cases that I took. And I realized firsthand that the court system in general, yes, it's meant for disputes like commercial disputes and contract disputes and basically... Family law is such an emotional area that deferring and giving away your power to a judge is actually doing yourself a disservice. Now, I'm not saying that across the board. There are situations like if there's restraining orders or there's a lot of different situations where we have to go through the court system. And so I wanted to invite Radhika Lakani to the show because I wanted to have this dynamic conversation with someone who's equally mindful, who's an attorney, who's helping families go through divorce, but also doing it in a way that is conscious. She integrates and trickles in wisdom after her sessions with her clients to help them find themselves out of the journey. Nearly 40 to 50% of marriages end in divorce. And I know this seems like, why is Thajal talking about this? The reason is because when I was going through my own spiritual journey, I really had this epiphany that divorce can very well be a spiritual awakening. I would say congratulations when I'd see a couple in front of me and say, we're ready to get a divorce. And I know that sounds like a very odd thing to say, but knowing when a relationship has run its course and you're willing to step forth and go into a darker situation, move out of your comfort zone, that takes real courage. And I know many people look at it as a failure, but working with so many families, I saw that, you know what, it's 
actually a step of awakening to your highest good. In the self, when someone recognizes this relationship is no longer serving my highest good. Because there, it's true. Some people come in your life for a season. Some people come in life forever. And many of us get married not to think that, oh, this divorce, we're going to get divorced or this marriage is only going to last five to 10 years. We don't go in with that expectation. However, the reality and nature of life is that Sometimes relationships, even when they're boyfriend, girlfriend, or engagements, or marriage, run their course. And there is a lesson in that. There's growth in that. And we have to reshift it. Of course, I'm not saying that anytime something difficult happens in your marriage, you, you know, wash your hands and you're like, I'm done. This is, you know, let's get a divorce. I'm saying that when it's legitimately, there is no more spiritual growth that you can do together. And it's, stepping out of that relationship, which is going to help each individual grow is a very, very challenging thing to do. And it's something that needs to be supported when it's for the right choices and right reasons. So today I'm speaking with Radhika Lakani, a divorce attorney and mindfulness teacher who talks about a new path forward. She's a transformation coach, meditation teacher, family lawyer, and a mom of two boys. She's the founder of the Conscious Co-Parenting Program. And she also teaches meditation and energy work to adults, entrepreneurs, children, and elementary schools. You could probably see why I was so aligned to connect with her and bring her on the podcast because we have so much in common. I think I learned so much about myself and the spiritual journey. I used to trickle in mindful wisdom to my clients as well. And that's how I really got inspired to want to teach kids because of what I was seeing and children being diagnosed with anxiety and Many of you probably don't know this, but when I went on that journey to start teaching children's meditation and yoga, I actually wrote articles for Mind Body Green. And one of my articles was the spiritual truths about divorce, um, and it went viral. That's how my journey of actually blogging what came about is because a lot of people were reaching out to me who were on the verge of getting divorced, and they're like, I want you to coach me to help me with my children and help me with myself of how do I emotionally go through this in a way that is going to help me be my highest self while I'm going through the process. And that's a lot of what I used to trickle in with the mediation and the collaborative divorce practice. I did more mediation um, than collaborative divorce. So it's going to be really heartwarming to talk to another attorney who is also on that path and who's currently still in the industry and bringing mindfulness to parents and helping them find themselves through this traumatic experience. And it's Radhika's mission to transform families in post-separation and divorce by sharing powerful tools that consciously move them from high conflict to peace and heart-centered co-parenting, which is the most important thing out of the whole divorce process. So let's dive in and talk about mindful divorce and conscious co-parenting. Before we dive into this episode, I want to take a moment to call out to all my stressed out mamas. How many of you are rushing through each day feeling exhausted, overworked, and overwhelmed? Do you find yourself snapping at your husband, your kids, the poor barista taking your order, and then beating yourself up about it for days? 
Do you wish you could fully enjoy your family without stressing over the small stuff? If that's so, then I have something for you. I want to introduce you to the Nine Full Mama Experience Self-Study Program. I've helped hundreds of frustrated, lost, and uber-stressed-out mamas learn the secrets of sneaking small moments of calm throughout everyday moments to create a more peaceful home, but most importantly, a more peaceful family too. You learn how to do the right mindful resets to help you be more present, to be more patient and to feel more peaceful. If you want to learn how to infuse meditation into your life and you're a beginner, this is the course for you. You learn in small nuggets at your own pace, at home, at your own time. So if meditation and mindful resets is something that you want to start infusing more regularly into your life, definitely check out the Mindful Mama Experience at themindfulmamaexperience.com. I hope to see you inside the course. So thank you so much, Radhika, for being here today. I'm so excited to talk to another mindful attorney about mindful divorce and conscious co-parenting, which is not a topic that is very highly talked about. So I'm so excited to dive in with you. Thank you. So am I. So as many of us know, whether you're going through a divorce or not, we know somebody who's going through a divorce, has gone through a divorce, and being South Asian, we have been brought up with this idea that divorce is taboo, it's a sign of failure, and one of the things that I learned even as as a divorce attorney myself is that being with families, especially, you know, the husband and wife who have children, it's actually a spiritual journey that to be able to say that, hey, I recognize that this relationship no longer serves my highest good. I think that takes immense courage. And I think there has to be a shift in the way that we think of divorce. It's not just failure and giving up. It's actually another approach to a spiritual journey that many of us have to go through. And so I'm really excited to dive into your uh, journey. You're currently still practicing as an attorney and you're infusing mindfulness and bringing in consciousness. So I am so eternally grateful for the work that you've continued to do. I, I stopped doing it, but it's something that's very deeply passionate to me. And I wanted to first start off at the beginning because many people really don't know what their choices are when it comes to divorce. They have in their mind that litigation, that it has to be dirty, ugly, costs a lot of money, and it doesn't have to be like that. And I'd love for you to share Uh, what are the different options when someone comes in for a divorce? What what are the paths that they can choose? Great question. So uh, fortunately, we've evolved a lot with divorce in the last, I I would say, 20, 30 years in particular. Um, Just seeing the transition, particularly working with lawyers who are of a senior vintage in their 60s and 70s now and being trained by them. And also starting uh, my career out as a mediator before I was even a lawyer. So I was actually um, waiting to get into law school and waiting for them to look at my marks and all of that. And in the meantime, uh, without getting to the story, the universe landed this program on my lap in 2002. So almost 20 years ago, um, where I became a mediator prior to going to law school. And what was interesting was I did encounter exchanges with, you know, junior lawyers like four or five years out who were like, oh, tell us about this mediation thing. So I I have a real clear memory of kind of the timeline, but the beauty is we've come a long way. And so now where, you know, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, court was the knee jerk response, right? To settle, Mm -hmm. we get a judge to weigh in. And I think we've just become a more empowered society. I do think I agree with you that 
I think we're seeing divorce in a very different lens culturally, socially as acceptable, understanding that every relationship has its time frame, right? And sometimes we are mm-hmm. in each other's lives for two weeks, 10 years or forever. And so, you know, there's lots of different alternative dispute resolution mechanisms. We short form call it ADR. Um, and so that can include collaborative law, which is newer, but still probably 20, 30 years old, if I could, if I may say. Um, so myself, I am trained in collaborative law. If I had to peg a random guess, just, you know, by experience, I'd say maybe 10 to 15 percent of the lawyers in Toronto, for instance, are trained in collaborative. We're seeing a rise of that. And that's a process where both parties agree to not ever go to court, that they commit to a process where the lawyers are trained in collaborative and everybody jointly commits as a four-way group to having um, an arena to resolve the children and financial and all of the issues that they may have on the table without ever threatening to go to court, right? So it takes that whole thing off the table. Mm-hmm. Um, and what the other beautiful pillar of collaborative law is that we involve very often, if not always, uh, a family neutral, kind of a mediator slash counselor for the family because this is emotional and not a straightforward business mm-hmm. transaction as we know. Um, and then we also include a financial neutral, to help in the more complicated cases where someone might be self-employed, income is not as clear for support, like spousal support, you know, mm-hmm. alimony in the States, we call it um, child support, um, or if a business needs to be valued, right? So before we can divide mm-hmm. it. And the beauty of that is then you have a neutral as opposed to two accountants who do their own valuations and then have a secondary divorce, right? Because uh, then they don't agree with the numbers. Right. So it's a really wonderful process. And I would say that that's probably at the top end. And I call it the Cadillac op- of options. Um, it is mm-hmm. not the cheapest option, but um, we're, collaborative professionals are getting better and better at offering it in a more cost effective way. And, you know, you kind of get what you pay for. And the, be- the I think the reason that we see so much better resolution in that process is because there's more communication in person. So less letter writing, which you get know as an attorney can be very inefficient, less emails and more of the four people, particularly the two parents, the two parties who are at the helm of this to be able to come up with their own solution and take control, right? So that's one end. There's also mediation where a third party neutral comes in and helps communication. Counsel lawyers can be present for that. Or if it's a parenting issue, often we're not present for that because we don't really add too much value there um, when it's coming to, you know, creating a schedule for children. So there's mediation, there's arbitration, collaborative, and then just straightforward negotiation. We call it collaborative-ish or collaborative style um, without signing a formal agreement not to go to court. Um, So I would say 95% of my practice is in one of those arenas. I probably have less than 5% at any time in court. Um, And I, uh, I think, for any lawyer, you know, who's trying to get more out of court, that's a feather in our caps because I think everything is settleable. You shared it so eloquently at the different processes. And like you, when I practiced, practiced divorce, I did all collaborative and divorce mediation. And largely because most of my clients were parents, I'm sure many of yours are as well. They have more of the incentive to try their best yes. to reach an amicable result because co-parenting, they're co-parents, they're parents for life, right? Maybe the, the 
the marriage is no longer going to continue, but they're always going to be parents. And I, I know there's always, you know, there's always exception to the rule, but I'd always, whenever I would see a couple or, you know, when you talk about collaborative, both parties really need to be on board and in order to take these decisions and really behooves, behooves parents, because I think when you're in the grief of divorce and all those emotions that stem from grief and of a death is what comes up in divorce. I'm sure that you've seen, right? Like the denial, the anger, the bargaining, the depression, the finally the acceptance, right? There's, there's that whole life cycle. So there's, um, you know, it really behooves us to know that there's other options than just going to court and trying to duke it out and battle it out uh, because those emotions that we carry through the divorce essentially then become the foundation of how you co-parent in the future. Uh, So thank you for sharing that. And one of the things that obviously drew me to you is very much like me. I incorporated that whole mindful aspect. So I'd love to hear your story about how you came about infusing Kind of that mindful and conscious touch. Uh, you know, the job of a family law lawyer is challenging on any given day, right? And of course, all of us are reaching into our own personal toolboxes and our repertoire of ways to assist our client, not only to make decisions, but to be in the place where they can make the decisions, right? So, um, and you rightly said they are grieving through this process. So we have the challenge of asking people to make the, some of the most important decisions of their lives while they're going through a grief process, right? Like anybody who's lost a loved one, that is not the time people want to be making decisions. And yet in a divorce, you can't wait often, right? Because we need to know where the kids are going to be. We need to know how next month's MasterCard bill is going to be paid. These decisions have to be made. And often decisions set a kind of tone for what is to come. And we would say like it sets a status quo or a precedent, right? So I think parties are very acutely aware and lawyers are acutely aware that we got to make good decisions quickly. So being in that realm since, uh, you know, I've been as a student and lawyer practicing for 15 years and at the same time in my own life, I went through my own Armageddon's, I call um, I won't get into the details uh, because mm-hmm. it's a long story, but major loss and major separation from family. And so uh, different times in my life, the first big um, Armageddon when I was 16 years old, that when my parents moved to Kenya. So that was, so I lived on my own from 16. Um, mm-hmm. And it was my, I would say now looking back and you've used the word spiritual. Mm-hmm. So I'll go there. It, it was my first spiritual awakening. Um, and then my second, in my when I was thirty, mm-hmm. um, loss loss of a family member. So uh, actually, well, I will share. It was a loss of my child. So, um, so having to and having the opportunity, I will say, to go through these Armageddon's, they were a gift in hindsight. Uh, mm-hmm. And I and I know uh, it's unequivocal how I feel about it it allowed me to build a toolbox of how to consciously create my new life, right? And so I had that always as who I was. Of course, as you know, as a former attorney, the lawyer, being a lawyer is not who you are. It's a job that we do. And a lot of people take it on as of who they are, but who I am is a spiritual being, right? And so when I would be dealing with clients, I often mm-hmm. felt like, yes, the toolbox that I have as a lawyer is fantastic, but it is limited because... I can't 
you know, and often lawyers will say, well, you know, you should go to therapy while you're working with me. You should see a counselor, right, to be able to work out those emotions. And I think that's a fantastic suggestion. But just being who I was and having gone through who I, what I did and living the life that I do, which is my dream life. I always felt inclined, you know, out of my loving relationship mm-hmm. with my clients to say, have you ever thought about this? Or would you, while you're going through this emotional journey, mm-hmm. is there something that we can do to help you ease your mind? Because you are the lens through which this is all processed. Right. And, you know, in my early days as a lawyer, my job was mm-hmm. always to fight for the client. Right. That's what we were trained for. As I got better at it, I realized, mm-hmm. hold on, there are yes. kids, like you say, there is an ongoing relationship. I wasn't yet a mother. And not to say that it, not having kids makes you a terrible lawyer, but I definitely feel like I had more insight as I became a working mom. Um, but I started to see, hold yeah. on, my client's story is so compelling. And then I get in the room with the other side. And because mm-hmm. I love people, perhaps, and my heart is open, I would I would see their story too. And it's, it, it's impossible to ignore that. And a good lawyer mm-hmm. wouldn't ignore that. A good lawyer would say, well, what would the other side say? Right? What's the other story? Because as you and I know, there's always two perspectives. Right? right? So understanding that what we're dealing with more is not a position, right. but a perspective. I wanted to be able to give my clients tools on how to clear their lens. So that they could have a more clear perspective. Right. Mm-hmm. Because what I know now is that a lot of the illusions, mm-hmm. what's, what stands between me and the truth are illusions, blocks or emotions or fog or whatever you want to call it, my mm-hmm. whatever. Right. So how do we see this a bit more clearly? Because right. even when I was totally you know, enamored with my clients, like I, ha- I hug my clients, like I high five my it's a touchy-feely place over here. We, no, you know, I even when, even though I, I wanted to say, oh, I see what you see, I didn't have their lens. I didn't see what they saw often. And I would gently, lovingly say to them, listen, I just read the back and forth email exchange or text exchange with your ex. And while I, I can see why you would think that this was an attack, I need to say to you that I didn't necessarily see it the same way. Mm-hmm. And that's important if we're going to have an honest moving forward. And it's also important because a judge one day, if you had to show them, would look at it through a neutral lens. So as you and I know, sometimes it's not the message, it's who is giving the message, right? Which is why mediation is so effective as a dispute resolution process, because you have a neutral taking out the toxic in a statement, reframing it, and now giving it back to the other side and saying, can you hear your ex and what real concern is? attack on you as your character, but can you understand her underlying interest right. in, for instance, the health of the children? And she might take issues to you giving bonbons to the kids at 2 a.m., right? right? So it's the same thing, but now we're giving the power to the client. Right. We're not saying you need a mediator to, you know, to clear the, the statements and the exchanges, which is a very expensive proposition, as you know. We're saying you change your lens and I'm going to show you how mm-hmm. to do that very simply in a very short period of time. Uh, my program that I run, for instance, is six weeks. And, you know, I'm humbled to say that the, the results have far exceeded my expectations in allowing parents to fuel their own tank, mm-hmm. redefine where they want to go, and then change their perspective 
and it's not an easy fix, of course. It's a journey. All spiritual journeys are us evolving, moving forward mm-hmm. with new mm-hmm. lessons, new challenges, right? But that was that was how I was introducing mm-hmm. consciousness and meditation and mindfulness to my clients informally. And then over time, it became a formal program. Right. Oh, what a gift that you are giving. I am just so deeply moved by the the level of empathy and thoughtfulness that you have in the work that you're doing. And I, I can relate That's so awesome. much because my journey, it's almost as if you're repeating my journey to me in some or form. And it's the, the truth of the matter is, is that, you know, when you're sharing and thank you for being so vulnerable and honest and sharing your truth of your journey. But the, the reality of it is, is that when you're in a dark night of the soul and for some, right, it's the loss of like, like for you, a loss of a child or for, you know, a loss of a relationship or a loss of a marriage, it, the emotions that go through that are exactly the same. So it's a being able to connect and helping someone see the light, like you say, the fog, see through the fog and giving them a perspective. Let's focus on the future. And I remember, you know, going through my mediation training. It is, I would tell people being a mediator or being a collaborative divorce attorney, you're an attorney slash therapist, the tools, right, of learning how to communicate effectively and how, like you said, taking that trigger and, it, you know, taking it in your perspective of it's an attack because it's coming from your ego's, you know, perception. And I always felt like there was always that person right. who was yeah. one of the divorce and the other person who was not ready or not emotionally there yet. And you're kind of trying to balance that out as well and trying to let the person who's ready and already out of the marriage be like, yo, let's, let's, let's come back to the center and be aware of where the other person is at emotionally. Very rarely, I think I maybe had one couple in my five and a half years that they were both like emotionally at the same place, like ready to get it done. And they were like, (laughs) you know, they communicated so well together. And I had to think, I'm like, why are you guys getting a divorce? You guys like communicate so well together. But that was the spiritual journey. Like being with them, you realize that they realized that their growth together had run its course. Uh, So it's beautiful to be able to give that gift, especially when children are involved. And I know that you do uh, work in, and uh, with children as well, which is so remarkable. The question that I have for you, and I get this a lot too, is you know, do both partners have to be on board, especially with the conscious uncoupling or the co-parenting? You don't need to be at the same that? place. And I think it's exactly pointing to what you just said. Although it's in terms of who's ready to get divorced, it's the same as who's ready to kick up their spiritual game, right? And in life, it is very rare, like you said, to be in the same place at the same time. Mm -hmm. And it's been my experience that, I mean, I think the the ultimate truth is that we are a solo act, right? On our own. We live on our own. And everything is an experience that we're having from a very specific vantage point, right? As a soul. And so the beauty of that is that you have the power to shift all aspects of your external environment. And that is what conscious creation is, right? It's starting to understand that you are a creator. And that's a big statement. I understand for people who are feeling like they're, this was not their fault. They didn't ask for that. Right. But the reality is we can't give our ex a head transplant, right? I've even jokingly said to clients in my office, like, you know, I'm not in the business of like hiding bodies, right? Like, mm-hmm. I've had people say to me, like, can you make him disappear? <laughs> you know, 
And I'm like, right? And I'm like, you know what I do for a living, right? Like I, I hold the law. I don't I've heard that right? too. So, so then, that you know, too. I guess the, you have to ask yourself, like, even if you don't believe what I'm saying for a moment, and, and it is my reality, and I will I easily convince you of that if you're ready. But just for a moment, if you understand that your options are to sit in the mess that you're in or to try something new. That's it. Right. And if we understand that we are the common denominator mm-hmm. in all aspects of our life, including our family, including our failed marriage, including our not so hot co-parenting relationship, you are the common denominator in all the aspects of your life. You are ready for transformation mm-hmm. because that is the starting point. That is the shift from going from victim to victor, where you no longer say, this is happening to me, which yes, it is happening, but you're ready to say, hold on, you know, if my relationship with my mom's not that great and work's not Mm -hmm. going that great, this is not going that great, and I'm not happy about it, what could happen if I should? Because you're a player. You're the key player. You're the star of the show in your show. So I Mm -hmm. absolutely believe that you don't need the other party there. And more so, I even believe now, and this is next level stuff, but if people are ready for this transformation and they, you know, again, easier to understand when you've gone through it. and, And, you know, there's testimonials, I'm sure, in your program and mine where we've seen this. But you can also be the light in your former partner's relationship. And for all you know, if you're a spiritual person, which we've used that word a lot here, so I'm going to go there. Um, if you're a spiritual person, you'll understand that perhaps your soul even had a contract there yes. to bring yeah. that person aboard. Right. Because the lessons that you're learning at this moment is what you guys, your souls needed. That contrast of letting go is actually a spiritual lesson in itself. And I, you know, that, that is very much true. I think I even use the word family. I even tell my clients, you're still family because you share a child, your child's family and they're happy and have him or her. And they deserve to have a loving relationship with the other parent. Even if you tell me that the other parent Mm -hmm. is a monster I can already hear parents saying, oh, but you don't know. You don't know him. You know, he's this and he's that or she's this and she's that. You know, with all fairness, this is the person that you Mm -hmm. loved, liked a lot at some point and chose to, whether it was a oops baby or, you know, like a Mm -hmm. surprise or a planned pregnancy, chose to merge with. And so I'm sure if we really sat down with a clear lens, we could see that they're not all bad and that we're not all perfect. And it's not, it's no longer about pointing fingers. It's about living a beautiful life. I feel like we're creating magic here because we're taking such a heavy, dark, hard topic and experience in life. And we're bringing such mindfulness and such inspiration. So I'm so like in the midst of it, I'm just so like my soul feels like, wow, we're creating some heart centered conversation here. But you are actually right on point when you talk about the individual like being the key dynamic. I had heard this somewhere where, you know, in a relationship, if you're like, well, they need to change or they need to act differently, and then I'll act differently. Like you're waiting for that 
expectation that the other person's going to act first. I had heard from, and I don't know which spiritual teacher said this, but they, but they, they eloquently said that if you change your behavior, the dynamic automatically changes because when it just needs one person to change and then the other person can't, can't respond the same way that they did before because the dynamic has shifted. And I think that's a really important thing, especially in the co-parenting relationship, the expectation, dropping the expectation of the other shifting, changing in any way, shape or form. When you change and shift yourself, the dynamic will automatically shift because it has to. That's just the nature of life. It can't be the same. And the other aspect of it, which I, I wanted to point out, is that when we're, when we're trained in mediation, you know, you're always teaching, you're taught to come back to the one common ground. And we always used to do this in the first session. I remember this coming to the common ground and it was always what's in the best interest of the child. And, you know, there've been so many sessions where you're constantly reminding them again and again, coming back to your, your point where you guys meet in the middle. And no matter what you feel about the, the other person in that moment, based on your own experiences, many of them can admit, yes, that other person is a good mother. That other person is a good father. And I think that's really important because what I've seen is the biggest trauma. And I wasn't a, uh, a mother myself, like you in the beginning, but what I could deeply empathize with was that I couldn't imagine a mother who's always seen their child every single day, morning to evening, having to to have days where they're not going to see their child or a father who was always in the evening seeing their child and they're going to be days that in weeks or whatever the, you know, the separation, the, the co-parenting schedule was, it, that, that I couldn't even imagine that experience. And that's a real deep, you know, that takes time. And I think awareness for um, sometimes we had to point out so the other person can kind of understand that. Um, and so I just wanted to point that out because if you're going through the process, it's, it's helpful to keep some of these things in mind. And when it's so hard to be wrapped up in the dark cloud of the other emotions. Um, and I wanted to take a moment now to talk about you have a conscious co-parenting program. With course is to reach for a more empowering position, right? So, um, understanding that, of course, like you said, conflict cannot exist with one person, right? In my language, we say you can't clap your hands with one hand in Gujarati. And so it takes two to tango. And again, if we can just Mm -hmm. agree with that statement as a a true statement without (laughs) feeling like that's putting the blame on you, because I can immediately feel the energy of parents going, no, but you don't know what happened. Well, now the question is, are you going to wait because you already waited long enough for this person to change? Or are you going to take steps? Mm -hmm. Right. And I think what's really key here is that you and you probably saw this as well in the mediations, like you will have these moments of the fog clearing where the parent goes, oh yeah, right. Like he really, well, he was a pretty good dad or she was a good mom or she really loves the kids or whatever that is. What I found was that that would be fleeting often, that they were those rare, beautiful moments where we had to kind of turn it out and and help external energies to make them Mm -hmm. see that and allow them that moment. But then the next week you get a phone call from that same client. They're like, Oh no. And I'm like, what happened to the Lulia moment we had in mediation or, and they're like, Oh no, he's such an asshole. Right. Pardon my French. Right. But so the, the key here is finding a discipline (laughs) and a consistency in your being perspective, energy, all those things. Right. The program was designed 
to not only let people have moments of light and yours would probably the same, but to allow them mm-hmm. to personally become a new, better version of themselves. Because when you have become that clearer, more energized, and I don't mean just physically state, right? That being, then now you are no longer just accessing these fleeting moments of clarity. You are the clarity. And it sounds again like, how is that even possible? And I invite anyone who's listening to take a look even at the testimonials that we have on our website from real parents who've done this program Mm -hmm. in six weeks, um, feeling that clarity, you know, and it doesn't mean, and I think what allows them to have that clarity even after a program is done or a retreat is done, again, is that daily discipline of accessing these mindfulness practices and tools and habits so that you have that consistency, right? You can't say to me, like, it's like sleep. You can't say, well, I slept last month eight hours a day and I was doing great last month, but this month I'm sleeping four hours a day and I don't know why I'm such a wreck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the exact same thing. So the entire structure of the program is this. It's designed to allow parents to experience a new, higher version of themselves in the context of their desire to be the best co-parents that they can be with the objective of their the love of their child. What ends up happening as a beautiful byproduct, though, is that, of course, as you can imagine, like we said, they are the common denominator in every aspect of their life. So what I say to them mm-hmm. is, while you're telling me you want to work on your tomatoes in your garden, that's cool. And that's why you're here. And that was the pull. And I'm down that, right? We're mm-hmm. actually fixing the garden. And so I had parents who, in the middle of the program, said, oh, my God, I just got a new job. Oh, my God, mm-hmm. I just met this new person. Oh, my God, I just met this new tribe or came, you know, I got a check in the mail because they start to be the energy, be Mm. the manifester, the creator, right? We're we're fixing the whole garden. You don't, when you fix a garden, you don't just fix part of the soil and water half of the garden. You don't just pull weeds on part because what happens, the weeds will trickle into the whole rest of the garden next week. So this is a ground process. And every week I share a new tool slash habit mm-hmm. with them to implement into their daily lives. And even at its most, you know, at the end of the program, they're not doing more than 20 minutes a day. If they want to do more, mm-hmm. like high fives, double high fives, right? Um, and I even say to them, I will do triple what I ask you to do. So if I'm asking you to give me a chance here and give yourself a chance and your family a chance (laughs) to do 10, 20 minutes of meditation a day, I'll do an hour to an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. So don't tell me you're too busy, (laughs) right? Because I'm, I got the law thing and the side hustle thing and the, right. Um, So, Mm -hmm. you know, I try to model the behavior, but it's amazing how parents in this situation are so motivated. And I think that's why I love this program because I always, for lawyers and I also run it for entrepreneurs Um, but the parents are the most motivated crowd because at this point they have tried everything and as you know as a spiritual journey often that is when we turn to these this this to our spirits and our inner compass when we've tried everything else and it's failed and this is about winning the game from the inside out Right. So every week they get a new tool 
And it's not just for me, you know, being on the spiritual journey for 20 something years, you know, I'm a big reader and a bit, yeah. a bit of like a bookworm. And so I've studied under the book Chopra and Dr. Joe Dispenza and like some amazing, amazing conscious peeps. Right. And what I found for parents was a, they don't have a lot of time and B there's just so much info out there, amazing info, but a lot of info nonetheless. And when I kind of looked back at my life and thought, what works for me? Like, why do I live my dream life? I know I'm consciously creating Mm -hmm. it, but what are the elements? I created the program with those exact elements. So I created my formula um, simply because you can't just teach people about intention. Simply, you can't bake a cake with just flour. You know, you can't just build a garden with pulling the weeds. So what I take everyone through is a very specific formula week after week mm-hmm. that builds up in a very specific mm-hmm. way to allow people to start to expand their consciousness, which is, uh, you know, if, if sleepwalking through life is subconsciousness, consciousness is waking up, waking up about your thoughts, feelings, beliefs, mm-hmm. intention, mission, vision, right? And I always say to parents, like on the yeah. first week, we talk about mission and vision. And right. I say to them, how much time did you spend planning your wedding or your for your baby? Mm-hmm. But we take no time. These lovely, amazing parents don't feel like they even have the time or the option to create a new vision. And I say to them, mm-hmm. every new journey requires a new destination. Yeah. And what we're talking about when we say destination is really an alignment with your soul's path. Let's get back to why you came here. Let's get you back to fulfillment because when mm-hmm. you're on that path, the universe colludes for you to bring you all the things you right. wanted. And life starts to become downstream flow as opposed to upstream struggle. So forget the parenting thing for a moment. Who are you and why are you here? Let's, let's talk about you. Because when I'm fulfilled, I don't know about you, and I'm sure you feel this, when I'm fulfilled because I'm doing what I know I came here to do, like having this chat with you here today, like making my heart explode, right? Then the little things don't bother me anymore. And often with parents, when he or she was your world and that world crumbled, yes, they're left with this feeling of lack of fulfillment. And I say to them, let's go back to the drawing board. Mm-hmm. If you're saying that this relationship is over and this contract is done with the person in this way, Let's get back to you. And as parents, whether separated or not, sometimes we've lost ourselves because we're mom and we're changing diapers and we need wipes and play dates and boogies and right. And so that's where I start the program. Absolutely. Because for me, what's more important is the individual thriving. And mantra for the program is when you thrive as a parent, your child thrives. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. That and that's so true. Emotionally, right? Mentally, physically, they're absorbing everything. We know that they're absorbing what they see, feel, experience, um, and that's a big thing for me too. Because uh, I'll share that I was a child who struggled with childhood anxiety, and I struggled with anxiety all throughout my life, and it was just intensifying when I was a divorce attorney because I'm an empath and I was just absorbing this catastrophic amount of energy on a given day. And it was just an awakening for me when I was listening to my clients talk about when they were, when I tuned in, when they made me feel super anxious around them, I was just 
in tune with their children are probably essentially feeling the same energy when they're in their presence. Some of us may think that I'm not spiritual, but you're on a spiritual journey. Oh, yeah. Growing up in the 80s, 90s, you were probably the similar age. Like, you don't talk about someone's mom. Well, it doesn't change if it's your mm-hmm. child. Right. So when you talk about someone's mom, internally, you're talking mm-hmm. about them. They came biologically, energetically, mm-hmm. emotionally. They're half your ex-partner. And so saying, right. oh, well, your you're dad's right. a jerk or your mom's a this, which we see, unfortunately, and it's not a judgment, but you're kind of taking a direct stab at your child without realizing it, right? Unconsciously. So again, we're moving from unconscious to conscious yeah. with the tools that allow you from the inside out to respond differently because it's very hard to get a parent. It's very easy for us to judge and say like, well, just don't do that, right? But, but we're all doing the best that we can. And we've all snapped at people and we've all snapped at our kids, you know, we're going to be honest. So this is not about changing you and your behavior. This is about empowering so that you are naturally disposed to feel compassion, see somebody struggling, right? It's the inside out. This is not a bandaid where we're telling people to fix their behavior, because I think that's another big mistake is that. That, that's mm-hmm. assuming people have the power to do that. Right. It has to come from within, right? It's that emo- the awakening, like you said, it's the awakening that has, there's a process to that because people know, right? Everybody knows what they should do or what's like, we know that we should meditate or we know that we should eat fruits and vegetables. We all know the shoulds. We all know them, but how do we get that internal motivation? It's the same, it's right. the same driving force for all those things, exercise, eating well, exactly. meditating, you know, being compassionate, empathetic. That's all that same that light that has to be yeah, flamed from within to be able to create that action or that movement outside. I'd love for you to share some of the the, the possibilities and things that you've seen um, from your program. Or So we've seen everything from like, holy hallelujah, 180 turns um, to people who thought they were coming in for a co-parenting thing and then ending up landing their like dream job uh, in addition to having people whose children have started to adopt these things without even being asked to do it because the program isn't directed at the children, right? Although I do a little bit of stuff with children directly, mm-hmm. but totally different context. Yeah. Um, you know, parents will say to me like, oh my God, it was so wild. I, I opened my eyes after meditation and look what I saw. And they'll send me like a, a picture of their daughter or son next to them. Now there's this gorgeous trickle effect that I know you're feeling because now you've empowered the child. Now they're more self-aware. The faster we all get about the business of living, the faster we Mm -hmm. allow that space for the child, right? And um, I do ask them to do some of the vision board exercises with the kids because it's just a fun exercise. Um, And it's amazing that the parents even have hallelujah moments. I keep using that word, but like aha moments of like, oh, I didn't know my child was interested in that or I didn't know that this was such a big thing focus for them, right? Like I have a five-year-old little boy who his entire vision board looked like a candy store and like an Elsa center, right? And I was like, okay, like this is your vibe. And and when you're good with who you are, you can be good with where mm-hmm. they are. 
you know, I wanted to make a point of this because we talked, we talked about soul contracts and when you shared about children, it made me also think of another perspective shift is that, you know, just like we are brought, our souls with our partners have been brought together. There's a perfect divine reason why your children were brought to you guys. And, you know, we all go through, even in every single one of us, it's part of the spiritual journey in your childhood, in your early life, you experience certain challenges. So we have to also look at it as that this is a spiritual lesson for our children in the sense that their soul came here, that this is an experience that they're having. And how can we empower them? And like you said, how do we help them thrive? Because what we teach them through these resources like meditation and mindfulness and all these little trickling seeds that we plant is going to help them in their own life, wherever, whatever challenge is meant for their soul to evolve out of. So it really can be looked at with a different perspective of growth, of, of unity, bonding, of resilience. I think that's such a big one. And I, I'm so deeply moved that you're doing the work that you're doing, because I'll be very honest, when I left, when I decided to leave my career, because I, I did find such fulfillment from it, but there was a big portion of me that I just couldn't emotionally. They tell you this, right? Like they tell you as a lawyer, you're not supposed to take it personal and never bring your work home. And I failed all those things because I would always bring, I would stay up because I just get moved by people just like you. I connect with people. I love, I, I love just that. I love that connection and just like that raw vulnerability that was there. Yes, it was really, really hard, but I just feel so grateful that you are out there. And I know there's other other individuals because as this movement is getting bigger, I know that there's other conscious minded attorneys out there. But I'm just just so humbled that you are doing this and you're still in it. And then you've created this program. Thank you. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in and please be sure to share it. If you know someone who is going through a divorce, um, please share this wisdom with them. There's not a lot of this out there, the mindful conversation with the divorce. So let's spread the love. Thank you so much, everyone. Bye. If you've been loving the Time and Talks podcast and you find value from it, I would be so eternally grateful if you take a moment of your time to leave a rating and review over at Apple Podcasts. And when you do, I love to gift you my seven-day stress detox course. All you got to do is screenshot your review before you submit it. Email it to me at thejil at thejilvpatel.com. And when you do, I'll inbox you the details of the course. This course has my go-to tools anytime I feel impatient, angry, fresh, and I come to them almost every single day. And I promise these are the tools that you're going to want to have in your back pocket too. And if you haven't purchased the Meditation for Kids book, definitely do so now. You can purchase it anywhere you buy books, Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, Target, IndieBound, BAM. And you can go to meditationforkidsbook.com to get more information on the Meditation for Kids Masterclass course. If you're a complete beginner in learning how to teach meditation to your kids, this is the step-by-step roadmap that's going to teach you how to teach your kids meditation without having to become a certified meditation expert. Thank you so much, guys. Bye.